0: Greetings, greetings. My name is Keats Ross. This is the PragMagic Weekly Liminal Stream. Those of you in the uh, in the comments, or I'm sorry, the live chat, please let me know if the, the volume is okay, if everything is coming through. And here I am. Hello, everyone. Uh, tonight is, is pretty special. It's the third week in a row of doing the weekly liminal stream. And I've composed a few words to talk tonight's guest and tonight's topic. Uh, it is on tonight's program, I'm honored to be chatting with the full-time Irish rogue, sometime cultural soothsayer, Mr. Thomas Sheridan. Sheridan is a prolific writer and lecturer on everything from psychopathy to occultism, and I would consider him to be a true scholar of the likes of H.P. Lovecraft and modern occultism. When I book these liminal streams, It's my aim to flourish within a topic of discourse. There'd be a personal fluency within comic books in the occult worlds, as with last week's guest, Eric Millar, or tonight's discussion on the affluence of occult tropes with modern cinema. I have been in a deep ponderance with what the cultural implications could be when it comes to modern occult tropes in cinema. And who better to chat with about these ponderings than Mr. Sheridan, whose occult symbolism look into Ari Oster's hereditary via his Beyond 313 YouTube channel, had me reeling for more. Hopefully tonight we can weave and burrow through the trope, unveil some generally luminous concepts and throw away misguided interpretation of occultnic ideas or principles common in cinema. Mr. Thomas Sheridan, thank you for joining.
1: Hey, good to be back, Keats. I love that piece of music you played at the beginning. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, that's uh, original composition. Um, Mm.
0: I'll I'll get copyright struck from my record label because of it. And that's just the way things are.
1: (laughs) I like that kind of American kind of spooky desert highway Americana.
0: Nailed it. Uh, No, I appreciate that. (laughs)
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, I
0: have another So what I've been doing every liminal stream too is I'll showcase some more audiomancy that I've been doing, and I'll sequence it with a video about tonight's topic. So if you stay to the end, anyone who's listening in the chat, uh, I've got another treat for you. But anyways, enough about me. Uh, Mr. Thomas Sheridan, how the hell have you been?
1: Oh, I'm just moseying along during these very strange times. Uh, 2020 has certainly been a challenging year. I've had a lot of uh, uh, strange thoughts go through my head and uh, it's probably I know I'll, in years to come I'll look back at this year probably been a, a very good creative uh, you know furnace uh, you know but at the moment it doesn't feel it's like I, we're, we're in a bad a toxic relationship with with you know society basically and it's uh, it's it's just very strange. But apart from that, I'm I'm fine. I'm I'm, I'm keeping busy. I'm I'm not uh, you know, I'm, I I want to get more into. Def- I'm working on more films and I'm putting more work into them, and they're taking longer. So just that kind of thing is going on. And uh, I'm I'm revisiting a lot of the books that I read years ago that I haven't read since I was a kid. Like I'm currently working my way through Moonchild by Crowley. It's probably 25- oh, twenty right. five. Thirty years since I read that, and it's 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 like a treat. It's a it's a really fun novel, and uh, i have forgotten a lot. So and like other books that I read when I was younger. So that's sort of like a, a kind of a doing a a scholarship life review, in a way, right? But yeah, that kind of thing. But yeah, it's it's. I think that's you know definitely this is definitely a year of shadow, and uh, you know. We know that good art good art comes out of struggle and turmoil and darkness. I was
0: going to say, you know, usually adversity breeds passion, and I'm a fond uh, believer in that. Though yeah. it's not without to say there's just been so much turmoil, both above and below, uh, considering the state of the world. And it's funny, too, and we talked about this a little bit before the stream. When I watched your Beyond Room 313 video about Hereditary, which really sparked why I wanted to talk to you tonight. You had mentioned you had had some correlation with the Hindu idea of Kali Yuga. And the film came out in 2018. I think your review was a year later. But it seems like 2020, if any, this is the beginning of the Kali Yuga.
1: The beginning of the end, I think, of the Kali Yuga. Well, we're in the Kali Yuga now. Right. But... but, uh...
0: If yeah, I mean, I mean,
1: yeah, uh, it's interesting talking to 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 Brahmins and stuff like that in in in, in the East and uh, it's, you know, their approach to things is because, you know, Hinduism is essentially paganism, there's no fixity of uh, canon or doctrine, that as new information comes in, you can actually alter uh, dates, they're not hard and fast, and now they're all telling me that it's 2024, 2025, is when the, the cycle and the completion of the Kali Yuga comes to its end. And then, you know, we're out of it. And yeah, everything that's, that's it's happening right now. Everything that's, you know, takes place in there um, that's described at the end of each Yuga is happening right now. People don't know themselves. There's a great sense of loss in people to the point where people don't know You know, I'm not getting into, this is not a political statement, but like when you have people, you have this thing with the people not knowing their genders or having 75 genders and all this kind of stuff. This is all part of the great bewilderment at the end. It's not, I'm not putting down things like that, but I'm just saying that's what's happening, you know, and it's uh, the, the fixity of natural purposes become uh f- extremely fluid and we hear that we hear that, we, we hear that te- that that term a lot fluidity fluid we hear that a lot nowadays there's also other things like in the babes prophecy the Macus prophecy in in the celtic paganism that they talk about the, the, the time very similar to right now you know like a summer without a, a summer a summer without a harvest a, a family without a purpose you know the same kind of ideas expressed but not like the Christian way. Not like you know, it's the end of the world. And we all go to heaven. It's just <laughs> not it's Revelation.
0: Just,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, you think about like a relationship. A relationship comes to end. It's usually pretty awful at the very end. But it has to be that awful to clear it out, and begin again. You know, or in a job that you hate or something like that. And why wouldn't our consciousness in reality not be be the same? It would be.
0: I know. I know from personal experience. This year has kind of dismantled my idea of my absolutism as a being and even like the path that I had woven in front of me completely obliterated and so yeah there is just just this kind of like baby you know newborn relationship with the state of the world and and the you know the tethers that bind us all and what we're doing what we can do I do see I do see greener paths I do see you know the ash of this kind of reforming and i think a lot of it is you know in the realms of more of the you know uh horticulture and 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 you know smaller groups and communities kind of coming together and living off the land and you know not really it's be, it's being almost a little bit i don't want to get political either because this is not what i mean but it is a less of a government faction you know, I agree. Yeah, like a an an,
1: an, more of an a traditional anarchist an arc- mindset. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And like, I appreciate that. I do. You know, it's hard for everybody, though, to kind of pull those tethers away. And it's funny bringing up, you know, modern, I say occult cinema, but, you know, there's a few that really kind of charge archetypes of, of sincere cult practice you know, when there's others that really bend into things without maybe even knowing, you know, it's like yeah. a lot of this um, retrospective kind of idea, like, holy shit, you know, the multiverse, that's a heavily idea, you know, or, you know what I mean? It's always this kind of perspective thing. And I feel the flourishings too, with people not knowing who they are anymore or, You know, we turn to magic, we turn to the occult a lot of times in desperation. And I think there's the good of that where there's, you know, films and other media that really inspire a look into it. And then there's other ones that nullify it as some horror trope, you know. So that's what I want to talk to you about. You know, I think hereditary to me, you know. It's a it's a great film. It's absolutely haunting. Uh, and your review about it. I mean, we both know, you know the, uh, you know the, uh, the, what do you call, it? The, you know the paimon, you know associations and stuff. But there was something that haunted me with it, and it seemed like Ray Astor, the director. I, I'm not entirely sure how knowledgeable he was mining those things or choosing them to be scary, you know, kind of tropes, almost within a Christian paradigm. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I, but there's also a third option that he could have been, been forced along. That, uh, you know, there's, a, there's that element too. I mean, you look, I, I remember seeing a documentary about the, the Omen movie back in, and The Exorcist, and a film called The Devil's Reign with Ernest Borgnine. Oh, yeah. Like in the, back in the 70s, and the directors of all those, and the actors of those films all said the same thing, that they felt that there was a third force guiding the production of the film. a, a, a Sort of like a super, a hyper muse, a super muse. Would you consider of, that
0: like a, the Burroughs' third mind kind of
1: yeah, idea? Yeah, or it could have been... More of just like, because that's... Collect, a, yeah. yeah, yeah, or a collective unconscious thing, or you right. know, let, let's put it out there, even maybe an entity. But... Um, you know did the film I think the film actually brought you know you know we know demons are essentially just you know archetypes of certain forces of behavior and stuff like that right Ultimately, they don't exist you know any more than gods don't exist but they 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 allow conveyance of of sensations and concepts and this uh, uh this uh this pyman thing was probably brought into manifestation through the actual film and I mean, I saw the film and it left me feeling weird afterwards. I felt quite unsettled by it, not in a scary way, but I felt like I'd been sl- definitely shifted into a different element of consciousness or something like that, like a bad mushroom trip or something. It had that kind of oh, really? aftermath, aftermath like that. Uh, I had friends who went to see it in the cinema and they were left very, very rattled by it, and very, you know, seeing it on the big screen. I only saw it on, t- on you know streaming but on the big screen they said it was a quite a, 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 a almost it was quite a difficult few days afterwards after having seen that film and so there was definitely it that film took us into places that probably hadn't been te- the consciousness probably hadn't been taken into since the exorcist which was 73 and that right. film i mean i've seen videos of people's saw that movie coming outside and saying to the people in the, in the queuing up to go in don't go watch the film it, it's it, it's just don't watch it it'll upset you really badly and, there, and it wasn't in an evangelical Christian way they were genuinely trying to say to people no if you, you don't go in there it's, it's not easy to watch this film and yeah. it's, it's, you know so I think it, the, since then hereditary was the only one I know that, that actually had that effect on people and you don't get that effect if you don't have, uh, you know, a certain charge or force inherent in it. And I think the whole atmosphere of the film. I mean, uh, you know, you, even if it wasn't about, even if it wasn't about, uh, you know, the, the 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 possession of a demon inside a boy's body, uh, the way that film was made is very these Hitchcockian type scenes where you have the the model of the house that she built diorama. Yeah. yeah and it's then you weird. have like you have the house has long shots so the rooms in the house look like in the, in the real house look like the models and uh, you know and you're looking like a, a diorama with figures and miniatures in it and you know it, it it's like it would me of a rear window or something kitchcock's rear window oh. in that sense but uh, even if it had nothing to do with spooky you know a cult i think that alone would have that would have rattled people I guess
0: yes, that's kind of what I mean. Like uh,
1: you know, the the
0: utilization, like do you think well, because the common cinema goer won't know Paimon, you know, know the Lesser Key or the goetia or whatever. You know what I mean? They it yeah. it wouldn't but there's something empirically haunting that he did use, you know, organic um occultism within oh, it, he, even he, if it
1: was, yeah. Yeah, it was like chaos magic. Uh, it, yeah, it, it was like the way people use Lovecraftian entities in Chaos, you know, uh, uh, as you know, prime movers. It's, it was done similar with Pyman, but he he, he had his knowledge too, Delam, as well, because you know is associated with chocolate and Charlie eats the chocolate. She's right. eating the chocolate bar at the beginning, and oh, he's music. also associated yeah. with the, a blue light. And the blue light yeah. appears at several scenes in the school. There's one very good scene where it rushes down the corridor in the school, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, so he did, he did his homework to a degree, to a, a fair degree. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, he, but at the same time too, yeah, it was just like the, it was just like it, be, it became a prime mover for something else. Like on top of that, another layer, another layer on top of that. And that layer was right. the actual ritual that the film itself conjured. And to me, that's what
0: makes it such a great film because it wasn't, You know, it wasn't harking on this overwrought knowledge of the Galatia. It utilized it for people that have a passing, you know, uh, ancillary, you know, kind of idea of it. It added another layer. That's what made it, like, truly haunting. Now, there's scenes in the film which are, you can tell that he did study ceremonial magic. You know, Paimon encased in a triangle on the ground, you know. Which is used, you know, to keep to bind, you know, the demon. Like there's there's little things that really pull through. I think why it perseveres wasn't that, hey, I'm a it's a creepy occult movie. It was that it was everything else, and you know, it had the occult
1: tropes in it. And he um, he changed the seal of Pyman. It's not he, took, he removed one of the elements from it.
0: I was gonna say uh, yeah,
1: I noticed yeah. that. So that was an interesting thing. I'd like to know why he did that. Uh, i think maybe he just didn't want to tempt fate or uh do something i mean apparently the young guy who appeared in that film had to go to therapy afterwards
0: oh i'm sure he had some of the most troubling scenes just as an actor i would you know uh couldn't have been like i mean you know to me chaos magic is method acting too so if you, you know, like actual method acting you know would be pretty detrimental uh, utilizing that it makes so much sense that Ariaster, you know, changed the sigil enough just in case, you know, just in case he wasn't actually, you know, inadvertently invoking something he didn't stand.
1: Yeah, it's the same reason why, in ceremonial magic, and also in things like acting as well, going right back to the Greek mystery religions, uh, plays. You 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 you're a character on the stage, you're not yourself. Right. And so that's to dis- that's to distinctly remove you from being named in the in the in the process. You know, you'll be the magus or You'll be the the scribe, or the querent. You won't be the you won't be yourself. You won't be Keats rust in that process because right. uh, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. You, so you, you, the creation of a, an avatar. And I think the, the 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 actor who played Peter in in Hereditary. I think his avatar and his real self at some point collided during the production of that film.
0: You know, it reminds me too, and people have come out against it, but say, you know, Heath Ledger's the fall, and a lot of people love the folklore idea that he couldn't shake, you know, the uh, the the miasma of like being the Joker because he locked himself in a room and kept a diary, yeah. and you know, and. You know, Christian Bale and other people have come out and said, you know, he's an actor. You can you can shake it off. But I think there's truth to both. I mean, I think if you're an actor, especially that gifted of one, uh, in any case, like you carry these archetypes of these characters with you at all times. Or, you know, they were always there. And it's a sort of exorcism.
1: Right. Exactly. And you have to be wary of it. I remember years ago reading Michael Caine's biography. And he came to fame in the 60s with a movie called Alfie, where he basically played this womanizing dirtbag. And he said in the book, was very interesting, that he had to actually stop himself from consciously becoming Alfie in real life. Because he, when he got fame, he had all these women throwing themselves at him and everything like that. And he said he actually had to physically and emotionally and psychologically prevent himself from being Alfie. Because he had been possessed by the character afterwards.
0: There's something organic too. I think to me, it might be a bit more. I mean, you would know more about this than I would, but of a sociopathy, uh, to have the ability to turn that shit off and
1: on, you know? Yeah. Well, that's like, that's that's the thing with the the acting school, isn't it? You know, that's that's what they learn that that's not you on the stage. You're playing, something right. you're, you're channeling something else. And I think you know this is one of the things with the occult, and uh, this is one of the things. Like I don't have a lot of issues with Anton levey and the churches, you know, the, the Church of Set and so on, and those people, and the Temple of Set and the rest of them. Mm-hmm. But they they wear themselves in the in, in their working. They were too to themselves or something like that. Even though they wore silly costumes and stuff, and even though the Satanic Bible is an amazing book and everything, but uh, they they the, played the
0: character yeah
1: Yeah. exactly yeah and i and, and and i wonder what has there been repercussions from that
0: you know and speaking I think you know penultimate or not penultimate not second to last but pretty much the last word on everyone's lips when it comes to modern occult cult cinema is kind of anger and that's a person who who lived it you know who was Uh, you know, actually doing ritual work and stuff within film stuff uh, never shook it. It was just apparently him, you know, and I wonder if like people that kind of come into those spheres, whether it be like uh, Mick Jagger and and Lucifer or whatever, you know, coming in and investigating these things, like if they are not tainted for the rest of their days because of the intensity of someone's, you know, uh, character and work within creating
1: that art yeah like i you know i even think of like you look at an album like sergeant pepper's by the beatles that's that's like a ritual right you know? and just this, john lennon was doing things that were a lot like the Burroughs kind of cut-ups like i know like for the benefit of mr kite was a poster that he read off a wall he sung mm-hmm. the lyrics of a poster that he had on his wall and uh, for an old show in victorian times but i often wondered if john lennon's fate was intermingled with uh, that stuff and I mean the occultism of the Beatles hasn't been properly done yet there's a lot of conspiratorial nonsense but right. the actual but thing Paul's
0: dead. yeah
1: yeah, and, and then other things too like oh there's a picture of Crowley on the cover of the, the but I think there was a I think there was a subliminal occultism is going on with them guys as well and in many ways it wasn't as overt as what the Stones were doing with you know you know wearing the, the pan head on stage and stuff like that right you know, I need the satanic majesties yeah 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 but, it, but sometimes but that's the that, that that's the thing is that that's often the most powerful magic like you could probably create the most powerful magic from a cookbook than you could from many guimawas yeah
0: simply, you know
1: you know simply because it's the most perfect of,
0: ancestral magic too
1: you know, yeah, well, it's this the book. it's the, the destruction of it's the, it's the destruction of the whole, you know. It's the, it's the obliteration of the of the process in order to make the process greater, you know. Yeah. And this is a this is a central tenant to it in Freemasonry to gather up that was which has been scattered and to reassemble it into something new, which is like you know which then that brings it to burrows and his cut ups and stuff like that as well, but um, or even Yuga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, yeah so people are pe- you know this is one of the things like mo- in my own work trying to get people like think outside the ceremony think outside the grimoire think outside the sigil think you know it it, it expand the the workings into magic into enormous uh the the enormous uh, you know like in sorcery, I told people like, "Well, you want to build up a charge, you go on a fairground, you are going to roller coaster, you know this kind of thing. You right. know, there's, there's ways. A lot you got rock concerts and this kind of thing, but there's other ways too as well. Like I mean, live, yeah, yeah. So it becomes a kind of a living process, you know. So and like I said, there's no reason why you couldn't use a, you know, you couldn't use a cookbook to summon something or anything. I mean, it, we we know that this. You know there's car you know there's, there's characters from books and comic books have appeared in real life all the time there's that famous story of the shadow the author who wrote the shadow books and the radio plays the, the to this day yeah,
0: wells right I used to grow up listening to the Orson Wells shadow radio plays my favorite yeah. stuff
1: oh yeah and look at war war of the worlds made people really believe there was an alien invasion happening and that's the power you know this is I mean these this is you know no The great, the greatest cultist, cultist, whoever lived, never achieved what Orson Welles did with War of the Worlds.
0: I love this. You're, you're like striking the vein of what I've been talking about a lot lately, which is kind of a divergent magic, you know, which is truly anarchic. It's truly yourself, It's, it's truly custom. Even now, with the advent of going off topic, but even with the advent of chaos magic, it's become a defined thing, you know, it's become you know, a certain manual of sorts, and I think uh, it gets lost a lot about what the purpose was, or like what punk rock was, as an ethos, instead of, you know, three chords and a
1: leather jacket, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 no, that's definitely true, I like the I like that term, divergent, yeah, that's exactly what it is, it's, uh, yeah, and it's, I think people terribly limit themselves, oh, I must follow this particular practice, this particular golden dawn practice, oh, I must, you know, follow this, that, that, and the other, okay, that's fair enough. It works for you. Great. But I know people have been doing that for years and they haven't really benefited from it other than maybe the social aspects of it or something like that, you know, but there, you know, it's, you know, this whole Kafkaesque thing, you know, sit in your room and the world will come to you. There's a lot of truth to that, you know? Yeah. Just wait.
0: Yeah. These currents, you know, we talk about a lot that I struggle with too, because I'm very much of the, you know, not a non-traditionalist and that even comes with you know i don't want to practice the thing or current that's been charged you know so much for hundreds of years you know what i mean Uh, it seems like it kind of feeds into that without diverging or not but you know that's a story for another day for sure (laughs) but i wanted to ask you since we were talking about hereditary i don't think that you have said much about Midsummer, and I don't have a lot to say about Midsummer. I would love to hear what you have to say about Ari Aster's follow-up to Hereditary.
1: Yeah, I didn't like it. I Didn't like it at all. I found it a, a tiresome dirge. It went on far too long. It was basically a teenage breakup movie, and I couldn't. I couldn't relate to the characters. I couldn't feel them. Uh, I didn't. I you know, it, it could have been great, but it was. It was like it. The whole thing of the the it was it was very pedestrian oh you know nordic pagans they into human sacrifice and all this and killing themselves and stuff like that yeah uh, and you know it was like oh call him second there's no there, in, in in any of the Eddas or any of the any of the texts. there's nothing re- about any of this stuff that's purely a thing that christians imposed later upon us, saying there were brutal religions and stuff like that we don't you know this this the you know sacrifice didn't literally mean sacrificing killing people, it meant giving something up. And right. you know, it could be money. And uh, so I found that a little bit, I mean, bordering on prejudice, I have to say. You know, yeah, that's exactly where If that was about any other religion, people would be saying, oh, that was a bit harsh. That was a bit harsh.
0: Well, and so this is played into kind of my temperament with hereditary in the long form or like the retrospective idea. Great movie, but you know, there's something simmering about, oh, was he just using the occult as a horror trope? Whereas like Midsummer, he's using paganism as a horror trope and it just yeah. it falls flat. It didn't feel good. I will say some of the best uh, and true almost true life depictions of a mushroom trip. Uh, on film (laughs) like yeah yeah yeah. I will give it that you know
1: but um, and and that young woman played a self-absorbed neurotic girlfriend perfectly (laughs) no and it's yeah it was a hard I mean it's I thought it started off strong
0: he's he's so good you know uh, opening the floodgates with like the trauma of the beginning of that film and like such an inventive way it's yeah. not like completely absurd of how her sister, you know, killed herself and her parents with the carbon monoxide poisoning and like duct taping the yeah, know, the but vents that, that, to their that, face.
1: That should have been, re- I would have resolved that at the end that maybe she was the killer. You right. Know, something like that, you know, it, there was no payoff in the end. In the end, was nothing. It did seem, and I think you know that's that's kind of
0: what haunts me still. It did seem like the utilization of you know divergent religions or theology or you know spiritual practices as horror tropes, as you know, the scary other that everyone talks about.
1: And you'd have other things like a Buddhist being all Buddhism being portrayed as sort of like the Zen mastery of like peace and love and vegetarianism but there are buddhists in asia who are like murderers and killers and have like gangs that you know they're like they're like as bad as any abrahamic religion in terms of it you know these murder these these buddhist murder gangs and uh and they're practicing buddhists you know and they would mm-hmm. use they would you know and they you know so but you'll never see that portrayed in hollywood you'd never see that portrayed ever it's just the whole thing that paganism and particularly european northern you know germanic celtic whatever you want they seem to be easy targets they oh yeah easy targets
0: now have you just to kind of move on have you watched any other cinema maybe not so wholeheartedly occult nick but any film that has come out recently that really kind of shivered you about you know deeper occult principles and when i say occult you know i think i should define it i mean like yeah a divergent uh you know a spiritual subset um you know of bettering the self of bettering you know yeah. your connection to the ethereal you know that sort of
1: thing no i haven't right. i've seen I've, I've, i haven't I, I i've seen older films that ha- that i did discover that in it and but i didn't no i haven't seen any recent ones no what were some of the older films? Uh, the, the Stephen King's The Mist. Oh I mean, yeah, I watched, I watched that because it reminded me of twenty twenty. But there's an awful lot of spiritual truths in that film. Uh, the Mrs. Carmody, the, the born again Christian loony person, was actually right all along. She actually saved them and led those people into redemption because they didn't leave the supermarket. Where the other guy brought the medal, that was a very powerful thing. That was a, a quite a quite a, a spiritual climax. At the end, there was a horrific end to that film. Absolutely appalling end. Oh it's very man, that, talk
0: about one that haunts me still. Yeah, that sacrifice, very, the, like very the upsetting. unnecessary sacrifice,
1: and, and then the mist clears. You know, right? And it clears, and and, and 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 being familiar with my geography of New England, it had, it had cleared from the north. So, but as at the moment, he was like exterminating those people in the back of, in his car uh, the ones in the supermarket had already been freed and I found that a very that was like you know that's one of those that, that's one of those multi-layered films you can see many things into it in fact I want to do a review for 313 on that film but that's you know it would have been very easy to say oh, oh Mrs. Carmody, the born again Christian lady was just, she was just evil and she got them all destroyed but she, she was the only one who was not lying to them she saved them. She did save them by staying right. there and, and and waiting for gods to. And in your mind, it would have been a god. God ended the mist, but it didn't matter. She whatever justification was, she was right.
0: I mean, and that, that could be. A- yeah, I was going to say that could be translated too about you know the old idea of shamanism being you know people that were more mentally, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, stable, just, right. Yeah. And here in this modern culture, we're quick to chastise folks that are just odd. You know, when they could be yeah. soothing exactly what, you know, is yeah,
1: needed like to that. be said. Yeah, you know, like the, the, you know, the the whole thing of the, the psychotic drowns in the water, the mystic swims, in that kind of, vibe, you know, the whole Nietzsche kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, another one was Montholland Drive. I actually did a review oh, of that. I was so happy you are going to bring this up. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, again, I'm not a huge fan of David Lynch, to be honest with you. No, not because i anything against him. I just I've not invested my I you know I've not invested my my you know cognition into his work in the same way I'd say well, with Hitchcock or someone like that. But yeah, um, yeah that, that film well, I thought you know some a lot of people don't like it. They thought it was a silly film about a, a guilt complex, but it was deeper than that. It was and there was also a strong sex magic element to that as well. Yeah that, you know, th- there's this impossibly beautiful brunette. But it's you know. almost
0: like, it was almost like self-sex magic, because to me, yeah. the two main characters were, you know, I'm going to use the word again, but like, divergent selves. Like, one was uh, the lineage of her getting what she wanted, you know, when yeah. she moved to the small town, becoming a, you know, a, a, a cinema harlot or whatever. And the other yeah. one was the, you know, struggling actress paying hitman to get rid of her old self, you know, to become... Or to take the place of the new one, you know, and yeah, that one haunts me still. There's a lot of a, a lot of good cinema, like a lot of good cinema, cinematic language stuff in it with the blue yeah. lights and you know the.
1: It's silencio. very well, very, yeah, yeah, very well made. Very well yeah. made, and uh, even the, when they show the different streets, like Mulholland and at the beginning, the street signs, they're almost like stepping into different elements of initiation in different parts of the quadrant, you know, over into different parts of the thresholds. And I found that really clever use of cinema as well, using the streets of Hollywood, you know.
0: Like literally too, yeah. And he even, I saw this breakdown once of, if you look at, you know, the Google Maps of like where everything is kind of situated, it makes like perfect sense as to you know the apartment that she's going to would be the old hollywood but it's not there anymore so you're already like so like uh it's subversive in you thinking there's a linear thing when you know a little bit of homework will tell you like all the hints were
1: there well i'm very i'm very fascinated by hollywood occult me too there's not not a lot of there's not a lot of info out there and it's unfortunate you know, you have Kenneth Anger, and you have, you know, right. Jack Parsons but, was there, and this kind of thing, and all that. And stuff. you have like the it's speculation, Black
0: Dahlia, and like what that was. Uh, yeah, that I said,
1: yeah. and just just the whole the whole concept of the alchemical nature of that part of the world: oil, sunshine, you know, Burning the shit in the gold, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and people, you know, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, then, you know, what? then the Indian, you know, surrounded by these mountains with all this Indian, ancient Indian hieroglyphs on it and every petroglyphs on it. It's just, to me, I'm fascinated by that, that whole Hollywood occult thing. And there's not enough, there's not enough stuff on it out there. Uh, It's, uh, uh, but uh, to, uh, to me, it's intoxicatingly interesting.
0: Yeah, you know, old Hollywood, especially like the James Elroy stuff, you know, Uh, L.A. Confidential, you know, White Jazz and like, oh, those books, there's tinge with it. He always talks about, I mean, we can go deep into, uh, especially the Kubrick's, you know, Eyes Shut. That was based in New York, but I think it, you know, he was, he had a lot to say about, forgive the term, but like the Illuminati of the Hollywood elite, Yeah, yeah, And, and what that was. And there's a lot of speculation, too, about, you know, a certain time missing from his final cut. And you know, his death and everything. But I think it, it that's when it flounders more into the conspiratorial stuff.
1: Yeah, but you know? something you know, this conspiratorial stuff can be. Uh, well, I, I like the kind of the, the kind of the uh, the Shakespearean tragedies of the you know, fatty Arabical, right. Rudolph Valentino. Because you know, Rudolph Valentino there's an enormous. There isn't anything overtly cultic there but there is something occultic feeling about it. I can't explain it. At the same time, you know, you had these, 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 the likes of these Cecil B. DeMille epics, you know, these grand epics that he made back in silent movies. And then when all those, when all those German guys came over before the war from UFA in Berlin, you know, Fritz Lang and the rest of them, uh, them I would imagine right. a lot of them, a lot of them would have been, would have been schooled in sort of like at least Freemasonry. If anything, you know, so there's a lot, you know, they came over to Hollywood and started making very interesting films and adding their own techniques and spins on it. And I find, and even the things like later on, like the Mansons, you know, back, course, to Michael, yeah. back to Michael kane in his book. You know, Drive, yeah. He even said that he saw them in the, at these parties all the time. He says they were Hollywood insiders. He says the only later on made it out to see him that they were, you know they freaks who busted their way into 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 hollywood but they are not they were in this they were in hollywood you know like what's that about you know
0: yeah hollywood too i mean it it's it's so transfers to in the kind of laurel canyon you know 60s 70s scene of music and that kind of confluence you had the cover of love's first album you know with arthur lee standing in the ruins of bella lugosi's you know mansion yeah and like all these like weird touchstones about kind of darker cinema, you know? And there's something about, you know, there's something to be said about ley lines, you know, having this kind of position in, uh, in
1: Hollywood. And the and, <laughs> and the, empire, the empire Nomicon to the Mojave Desert. Like it's like this yeah. paradise. Like when Hollywood first started, it, it, you know, that would have been paradise. The best climate in the world on the ocean, you know, it, it would have been a wonderful, probably would have been a wonderful place to live. Actually, I could just imagine back living there in the 30s and 40s. It must have been beautiful, but um, it's it's yeah. You you you're tapping into all this magic. Like this is that's why those Christian missions built those those Spanish monks built all those missions all up along the coast. I think they were deliberately built on either uh, areas that had geomancy kind of vibes to them, or to stop right. something. You know, it was almost like they conquered the Indians the same way they conquered the pagans of Europe. That what Where's your sacred site? Okay, we'll, we'll put a mission on top of that. They did the same thing, and they specifically did it in California, as if there was something special about California, and they inherently knew it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I, I always hearken back to uh just the kind of, like you were saying, this alchemical, you know, process of, you know, turning shit off the street into, you know, cinematic gold. And, you know, talking, going back to like the James Elroy thing when in L.A. Confidential, like, I don't know if you've seen the film. It's one of the, I love it. It's like one of the best adaptations ever.
1: Yeah, it's Uh, fantastic.
0: Curtis Hanson, yeah, such a good movie. But he, he tinges on James Elroy too in the book, tinges on the factory of turning... These women in and out, you know, yeah. plastic surge, this, you know, whore of Babylon kind of idea that one of them's gonna, you know, make it. The yeah. one of them's the alchemical gold that's gonna, you know, turn our studio into the next Paramount or whatever. Yep.
1: Yeah. And she's totally sacrificable, even no matter how powerful she is, like she becomes Marilyn Monroe or something like that.
0: Right. Yeah, she, the fate still isn't sound. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know. <laughs>
1: They're all they all become the black daily in the end.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean this I, I huge fan of the whole Hollywood Noir, you know, they're a uh big fan. And there are, you know, so tons of occult underpinnings. You know, there was the in Town, even too, like he who holds the water, you know, <laughs> like holds the city. And Yeah, just these ideas where they come, they become so elemental, especially with the gangs and the people. It's like, so the guns, elements, or or not guns, uh, you know, drugs, or, or uh, you know, uh, beauty, or money, or you know, something as elemental as you know,
1: water. It's very interesting. And you have like the likes of the Beach Boys doing these hymns to California,
0: right? Kind of charging
1: the
0: folklore of it yeah 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 pet sounds to me was the biggest breakup record of to california for me in my personal life so it's funny you bring that up (laughs) yeah because it's like when i left listening to that album it was very much like a deep from the salt water that was in the air
1: you know? uh, yeah, and there's another example of magic as well, because it's uh, sort of mundane magic or divergent magic, whatever you call it, the beach, the last band on earth you would actually associate with producing a, a work that could possibly d- go into those domains would be the Beach Boys, and they did it. Absolutely. Well, they did it. I mean, you, you know, what's that, That this is, there's is a this track on it that has a train, uh, a train going by. And it's like, what the hell is very strange and stuff like the Caroline knows They're very, they're very, they're almost like mass, the album's like a mass almost. Like it's a mass it of California, you know?
0: Yeah, to me like, and that's what it was. It was it was this massive you know, it was like this great pilgrimage from the former self which was the higher marketed you know, perfect California honeypot kind of band to you know, this Detox and music, you know, and that's I mean, when they did the best stuff. And I feel that's the same way with a lot of movies, you know. You go through, through like West Craven with Serpent in the Rainbow, you know, or Sesperia, Dario Argento, that's that's Italian, but you have a lot of films that kind of discuss this underlying nature of beauty being kind of this smoke dark you know yeah. <laughs> like wonderment like this bad alchemy of wanting
1: yeah, well, well dario agento in suspiria and actually he's a very interesting character and um, his films you know his his belief that they, there's three cities that are like the, the 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 devil's the devil's triangle in europe right or which is a city i know quite well some say Basel. some say london and uh, Lyon is another one, but there's like generally it's considered to be Budapest, Turin, and uh, and 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 Basel in Switzerland, which is an interesting place. And these this is what he the three that he he he's fascinated by the enviromancy and the the geomancy of these of these uh, of these locations. So it, it doesn't you know it's the same kind of thing. He specifically sets his films in areas that have this kind of energy to them. You know, for you know, even though, but he doesn't do them in the film because in the film, they're usually set in the cities. They're not set that they're, you know, like Field, I think is what, where he where he filmed the original Suspiria. and mm-hmm. that was actually a substitute for Turin. So he's making avatars of cities as well. It's fascinating, isn't oh, it? Yeah, that's
0: that's very interesting, and I mean that could
1: be said for a lot of Hollywood too, and but the whole screen
0: culture too, you know very much just avatars of, of lifelike places to yeah. play in and ruin, you know, to blow up, <laughs> to, you know, to exist in. Uh, have you seen Dark Song? No,
1: uh, dark, have I?
0: Dark Song? Yeah. It's basically like
1: the, uh, evermelon um, a, a, a dark, a, a dark song. Dark song. Yeah. yeah. A dark song. Yeah. Okay. Oh, absolutely. I did a review of that as well. Uh, that, that's an Irish film. It's set in Wales, yes, Dublin. Yeah. It, forget what large. his name is.
0: Liam Gavin or something? Yeah, yeah, I know. In
1: fact, I had a weird synchronicity. A friend of mine in New Orleans who I've known from... Excuse me. That I knew from my music days in New York. Uh, it, just out of the blue contacted me and he said, do you know this Liam, Liam Wheeling guy? And I said, who? Uh, where his name? was uh, Liam, I can't remember his second I name. I
0: think Liam. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah.
1: And he, and he yeah. said to me, do you know him? And I said, who is he? He's in Dublin. No. Uh, he made a film called The Dark Song. It's very good. Oh, I saw The Dark Song. And uh, so there's a weird synchronicity that my friend contacted me out of the blue to ask me about this. This he, Apparently, he met him as well, uh, somewhere along the line. But uh, uh, yeah, A Dark yeah, Song what, is a masterpiece. you piece.
0: think about it?
1: Yeah, you a loved master, it? Yeah. Master, yeah, I loved it. I, I, I thought the performance. For those two actors to pull off, that performance is unbelievable.
0: It's incredible. Um, it's, I- it's, it's like a bottle episode too. It's basically... You know, just in one setting, it's. all I know they filmed really the two.
1: I, 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 they filmed that in the Dublin Mountains, and I grew up in Dublin. And there's Dublin next to the cities is a vast wilderness. It's like the Pine Barrens type thing in New Jersey. You have in, you know next to Philadelphia, this wilderness. Well, the Wicklow, the Dublin and Wicklow Mountains are like that. They're next because they used to be they were deliberately depopulated to stop their uh, military things from happening up there. They so they were kept they were kept empty for centuries and uh, yeah and so there's only one road goes across it the military road that was built by the British to chase chase uh, Irish rebels down them but the whole area is covered in megaliths. it's spooky it's it's vast it's empty it's like Mars it's like being on another planet and they, uh, they perfectly they picked the location perfect for that and although it's supposed to be set in Wales I know exactly where they filmed all that and I thought that was that. I mean, yeah, it was the Abba more or less, kind of. But it was. Uh, it wasn't just that. It was just. It was right. a beautiful film. It was. It was beautiful. It was about. I mean, so And, well done. I, and yeah. it was about what you said, uh, the building of the self and and the spiritual. Uh, what's the word? Completion. Because in the end, she she, her, her, which what she she came to the conclusion that her drive for revenge, was ultimately what was destroying her. Right.
0: Yeah, and to me, it depicted, you know, what we talked about, you know, the ritual of Abbavel and the the mage, and, you know, how sincerely heavy and psychotically patient you have to be to create something. And never before on film have I actually seen a depiction of just the insanity that goes into doing work that deep. You know what I mean?
1: Like, the patience of the movie was, like, scary good scary yeah. good yeah uh, the, the, the thing is that the, the reason why those rituals were so like that so brutal is because there was less energy in the world back then you couldn't prevail of energy like we could at rock concerts today and things like that
0: you right know, it, was,
1: it was it was a candle lit world you know there wasn't it's like you had to actually build up the charge the old-fashioned way by basically torturing yourself and um so that's why it wouldn't be necessary to do that today but uh, yes there was it was just uh the actress that played the lead role was great the actor too and the the whole feeling was uh the and it really was a payoff there was a real payoff at the end that that midsummer didn't have you know right. it, it ha- you know to see that angel that guardian angel in the in the bedroom was just one most it was breathtaking actually the scene it was so it was it was so beautiful it was so earned, you know even yeah. as a viewer. Just because it was, it's a
0: hard watch. It's one of those, like, I'm so happy I did. Every part of it makes sense. And it's a beautiful rhythm and sequential, you know, film about a very bottle like idea, you know. But to be able to have that, like, to revel and that comeuppance with her, you know, at the end was was something else and that's the thing too you know Ari Aster with Midsummer, as he did with Hereditary there's a lot of foreshadowing so I think in Midsummer it was very obvious yeah foreshadowing where you're you're seeing the depictions of you know the rituals and stuff on the wall as as transitions and you're like why would they put this there oh okay well it's obviously because uh, this is coming by later yeah
1: yeah there wasn't too much uh, it was kind of a lazy subliminals or something like that La- lazy code. but uh yeah that's but again there was no payoff in that film like i said it would have been fantastic if it turned out that she was the murder of her sister and her and her parents i'd love that yeah that's that would have that, that, but... that could have saved the film that could have saved the film but uh, the dark song the payoff is you know that's what's that's what spiritual is. That's what magic is to you bring yourself to an equilibrium.
0: Yeah. And for the, you know, for the payoff to be something so like small to the outsider, but so deeply inner to the person going through it, I don't know. It just, it yeah, it totally transcends what a climax, you know,
1: should be when considering this stuff. That's and exactly the, what it's like, you know? And there was a pre ultimate. The penultimate climax, too, because right before she sees the angel, she's she's assault, basically uh, assaulted by these demons. Right, one, one cuts her finger off, breaks her. I know. Finger I was
0: going to say the finger, yeah. finger murder. <laughs> I hate it. Can't I can't see that uh, again? Uh, but yeah, you know, I think in the pantheon, when you look at modern occult cinema, I think Dark is and Hereditary to a degree they come to this as far as like widely reached, you know, um, cinematic depictions of what, you know, is, is a healing of all of these facets. Whereas Dark Song to me was more of like the perfect personal, you know, kind of journey and of a trope. It was, it was the film. Like that's what it was meant to be. Whereas Hereditary, I think, you know, they used it as a trope. I hate to say trope, because it was it was better used than just being a trope, but it was very much a psychological thriller before
1: it was, you know, anything else. Have you heard my theory about the Loch Ness Monster? No, please go on. The Loch Ness Monster, I believe, was left there as a residual thought form after Crowley. Crowley didn't complete the Abomellum. yeah the the, the the sightings happened immediately after that almost and uh began now there are there's a story that saint columba who was a famous irish missionary when converting the pagans of that part of scotland banished a monster from the lake but we actually studied that it was from the ness river about 40 miles away and it was a, a serpent not a, a monster and so that's th- there's literally nothing. There's no mention of a monster in that lake until Crowley w- departed for Paris or wherever he went to. Uh, but uh, what I found interesting that that's that's my my theory. And as as they're restoring Boleskine House, I predicted that there'll be greater sightings and the best sightings ever of the Loch Ness monster. And sure enough, they're having they're, hap- they're happening at a colossal rate now to the point where they even had an article last week saying we have to basically accept that something in the lake is real. Uh, whatever it is it's there and that was like you know mainstream accepting that and yeah. uh, at the end of the dark song what does she do with the guy's body she lays it in the lake in the pond in front of the of the uh the house remember there was a pond there and she lays him into the water almost to give it peace like and i i was thinking either this guy has heard my theory or it's just a piece <laughs> of amazing amazing synchronicity but she lays the, the, the you know, she makes the disturbance in the water. It doesn't happen because he's been laid and it's been closed. The ritual's been closed with him laid to rest in the water. And I just, my God, it was so close to the, the Loch Ness thing, you know, leaving the thing. And people said, oh, there's been demons left over that Crowley didn't banish. Well, right. yeah, they're yeah. in the water, they're in the water, they're in the water. And so, I love uh, it. so I think that's, that. I think I've always, that's always been my opinion of of the Loch Ness monster. That's why you can't get clearer photographs of it. It's not actually there. It's a disturbance in the water. It's it's like negative energy. It's like negative space. It's trying to fill itself with the water. And what's you know you might see those things in if it went to it, it could appear in the tr- in the trees by a rustling of leaves. It might you might find a form. But the easiest thing for the for us to manifest. To you know, to visuals to see visually see the disturbance left over by Crowley is in the water because it's the most flexible. You know, the the mountains not going to move, the house is not going to move, but the water will. The water will move, and that's that's I'm um, almost I I I'd, I'd put money on it that that's what that is.
0: I really I really enjoyed that theory. I mean, it kind of re- reminds me. Wasn't there some like resonance after the original Wicker Man, like in that town? I heard uh, stories
1: like that. Yeah. yeah yeah and in fact speaking of hollywood occult when hollywood moves into certain towns to make films and then moves out people say the place is never the same afterwards
0: right ravishes it
1: yeah yeah and the town loses its heart or like hollywood stole its soul and left like they're making a, a, a period film or something like that did you ever see a film called picnic and hanging rock by peter weir
0: no i love peter weir but no i haven't it was <laughs> the, the one first of few film. that I've been meaning to
1: yeah, I saw that when I was a kid, and it left a very profound effect on me. Mainly because the story portrayed in the film didn't actually happen. It was about a, a group of English schoolgirls, uh, Australian schoolgirls, who were visiting a sacred Aboriginal site, uh, and they all vanished off the face of the earth. And they give the, the implication is that they passed through a portal. Now I grew up, I grew up believing, or you know, they, they, some kind of Aboriginal magic affected them. Now I grew up believing that story was true. Apparently, it's not it's just totally made up but he made it so plausible that you really th- thought you were seeing a docudrama of an event that happened in australia about you know 120 years ago and um that shows the power that he actually made a myth come true in my mind and it was only about 10 years ago i was mentioning someone Did you ever see peter Weir's worst film pick the gang and rock and they go oh yeah 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 and i say you know that's an amazing story and they say oh no it's not true it's not true it never happened so he made a historical event that never actually took place take place. In my, that's past- amazing. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of another
0: Australian film. What was it called? It was like Lake. I'm blanking. It'll come back to me. Uh, but it reminds me as well, like this idea of, you know, you remember the Blair when that came out.
1: The Blair. Remember, like it yeah yeah. It, yeah it
0: it just kind of it over the nation well i was a kid i was like susceptible and i knew it wasn't real but they did this marketing with it and they had this uh mockumentary come out parallel to the release of the blair witch where it on sci-fi channel or something completely yep. made it uh seem real you know now talk about you know uh an egregore you know creating Yep. That realm of belief and stuff. But I've got I think yeah,
1: go ahead. I've got the box set and I might even have that program on it. And they were like did a documentary on the who the Blair Witch was. And she was like this right. Irish witch who lived in the woods in Pennsylvania, wherever what took place. And it really they 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 you know for and it was the first found footage film I ever saw. So that even added to it as well. And you see nothing in it, it's all in your mind, it's all in your mind.
0: I know, I love it, and like just you know, everyone's still haunted by the visuals of just like the hands on the tent or the people in the corner. Yeah, you know, and it, it there's nothing spectacularly, uh, you know, overtly scary, but that to me was the most, you know, it's the, it's the Hitchcock thing. It's, it's yeah. the shit you don't see.
1: It, uh, sp- speaking uh, of found footage, have you seen a film called uh, The Borderlands? I, I remember Borderlands, yeah. It's it was released in America as Final Prayer, I think. But uh, I did a review for three one three on that as well, and that is a fantastic found footage film. That's a that's also in the kind of like leaves you a bit feeling weird, like the like Hereditary. There was another one like the Poughkeepsie
0: tapes. Uh, that was more of like a serial killer leaving around tapes, but no, um, yeah, there was a huge like you know flourish of the found footage but yeah like you were saying I don't think I'd ever seen a found footage film that you know wasn't explicitly a documentary so automatically you know the thought form of watching found footage in a cinema is I'm being privy to real life like this actually happened now add that on top you know you have the sci-fi and I say mockumentary, that doesn't do it justice. Because when I say mockumentary, it reminds me of Christopher Guest. or <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You that's
0: know, like up, yeah. comedic. Yeah, yeah. Comedic uh, films. But it's not. Yeah. It was done so well. And I think there was even part it. of it. And it's it, it did everything to world build. Like that, to me, that's like the best, that's the best involvement a person can have with cinema is to be completely enveloped in it. Yeah. And you know, it's even gone into like the marketing side, if done well, you know could be another um, cast well, ritual.
1: It is a ritual it, you know? oh, it is a ritual. Yeah. It was like that yeah. opening scene when I was, in sc- I was when I was a kid in school, Alien came out and I th- uh, the opening thing where the, in space no one can hear you scream and i can remember that, like i went to see some i don't know i think it was like some stupid film that was a when well, i kid and then alien was going to be in the cinema coming up soon and that a that that the, the name of the film appearing in space no noise no nothing a low level resonance hum. right and, you know it's in, in space no one can hear you scream like space, i remember the poster
0: yeah
1: oh it was fantastic you know i was about i don't know 14 15 it was just a fantastic experience you know to sit in the cinema and you know to have that, you know I've had I've had spiritual experiences in the cinema, you know definitely I have you know especially when I was first saw the movies. I, you know I remember like one movie I saw when I was very young was The Great Escape with Steve McQueen, and mm-hmm. I remember what really struck me in that film as a very young kid was the the searchlights moving at night through the through the prisoner war camp. And it was, you know, it was the full-on thing of like the nocturne, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the darkness and the blazing light within it. Maybe it was even a Luciferian element that crept, that crept into my own consciousness, you know. But I remember having a very deep effect on me.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean that's haunting. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: It sticks. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I obviously I use that term loosely. I use it all the time, but that's that's to be. Uh, you know, I've always said that film to me as someone that creates in a lot of different artistic mediums to me is the ultimate medium. Yeah. You have all everything involved, you know, from writing, sound, you know, music, uh, film, you know, video, whatever. Like it, it encapsulates all. To me, every film is almost an agregore.
1: Yeah. 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 Let's spiral this out. I did a series of. Uh, I know we're, this is not in the brief of this discussion, but just to show you, I did a, 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 a last year. I think it was with Greg Moffat on Legalised Freedom. We did a thing <laughs> on folk horror, and also on the whole the hauntology. Sorry, on hauntology. And
0: right, I love hauntology. Yeah,
1: yeah you should. You and you, 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 you and your your listeners would like those those talks. But well, we did it mostly from a kind of a, a British Irish perspective. Uh, we did right yeah right. yeah it didn't that bring too much uh hollywood stuff into it a little bit but um uh, it's great to see this subject be, be gaining such prominence now Hauntology, folk horror and this 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 occultic way of looking at the cinema i, I think you know this is you know this is a whole this is a huge untapped resource that only would sort of the emergence of ontology and even things like analog synthesizers and that kind of thing. Exactly. That, you know, only now we're, we're understanding the occult, the occultic potential of this enormous untapped resource that's now been coming into the world of hauntology and things like that. And uh I, you see, and, and that's basically where we're kind of going tonight a little bit, but in, in the cinema context, but this is the whole thing. The conspiratorial, the, the conspiratorial world has treated these elements within movies like there's something to be afraid of or something to right well like for instance how many how many conspiracy theories about the the eyes wide shut they're endless right they're endless right but they no, to me eyes wide shut is not it's not about that at all it's 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 opening a portal into an into into a world that i want to know more about i don't want yeah, to, to me it's it's there.
0: more of like the you know um it's the dissolution of a marriage, <laughs> you know, very matter-of-factly, you know. But with that comes the dissolution of the self, of who you once were. Yeah. Like, that's why what, that's what Eyes Wide Shut works on so many levels, you know. Yeah. About that. And then to have it charged with an actual couple that was
1: literally uh, marriage was dissolving. In real you know? life, and they're both, in, yeah. they're both involved in Scientology and things like that, you know. Right but so it's you know that's what makes the that that and then you have like the conspiracy theorists who will like sit there analyzing the film oh it's about the illuminati and devil worship well no this is one of the reasons i got very tired of the conspiratorial world is because of the surface level infantilism of symbolism and and symbology right you know no no look further look further look deeper they are wearing this...
0: robes, which means they're doing bad things. No, yeah.
1: no, and you know, and <laughs> I've even seen the new one that the, the mask that you have to wear for the coronavirus was, that's the mask. Oh, they, now they're claiming that That's a new one, but it's like you know they're are in understanding these things. I, I've been like, ten years on the scene now, and I've been trying to get this to people. I'm trying to get them to understand within these realizations and these understandings of the symbolism within these films and stuff like that there is gifts for you there is there there is a mine of of gifts for you as an artist as a creator as a human being as a as a plumber as an electrician anything and by acknowledging the the echoes they have with your subconscious mind and how you they react to them it has a great worth in your life and the conspiratorial thing has them all afraid of it, ultimately, because a lot of it goes back to the Christian, sort of like, you know, Bible Belt American thing in the 60s. Yeah, all that, to, you know, uh, Christian Even identity. Even to world. the satanic panic, yeah, of the 80s, Oh yeah, the right. satanic panic, yeah. And yeah, the satanic panic is, a, is, is a, it was a fascinating story that, though, when you look into it, because there was some truth to it as well. Because that it all came up, like, for instance, there was a, there was a, a, basically a town in England, a, a poor town, I think it was Rotherham, where uh, on the entire street, the, all, all the kids were accused of parents of being involved in a satanic ritual cult. Right. But, but that was the same time at, at their local MP, a guy called Cyril Smith was a notorious paedophile working in the neighborhood. Was so, that
0: the, like, Illumina Thamatero's connection or...
1: Uh, no, I don't think.
0: No, yeah, there. I'm, I'm diving down another hole, but it there is a kind of. If you ever look that up, it's weird. Yeah. The,
1: the, the satanic panic was very Presbyterian. It was that's what I found fascinated by it. It was it only happened in Protestant. It was like the witch trials, and the witch persecutions of the middle up the middle later of the of the Reformation. It was it was a Presbyterian thing. It's very interesting, like how. The the, the the Lutheran mindset is always looking for witches and stuff like that, where they're sort of like the right. other side of Christianity, like more Orthodox Christianity, like Catholicism, they're comfortable with devils and demons being around them. So, and like with that, do you think that, it, to me then, it
0: seems like there's the, the, the push for cult tropes, you know, as kind of horror tropes is the Presbyterian thing, like you were discussing.
1: Yeah, I think know? so. I think, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's like in Catholicism, and I'm not saying one is better than the other or anything like that. I'm just saying it's just the fact that, you know, like there's the, the Latin mass. And, you know, when if you were a Catholic up until 1967, when Vatican II came in, you were basically hearing a mass that would echo very similar to what would have been in the pagan temples of ancient Rome in the Temple of Jupiter. You know, this is what you right. would have heard a 3,000-year-old language from a pagan past and this was the whole thing with the, the, press, the protestant reformation was to say like okay that's that's really you know it's not really christianity it's paganism and they moved christianity more towards judaism and things like lutherism and stuff like that now in that in in, in that the the best and the most terrifying folk tales seem to come from presbyterian cultures the grimm's brothers you know the, you know sure. Germany and stuff like that and uh, it, uh, and the best ones too the best and and these 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 folk tales were almost compensating these and these are when you read those brothers grim tales they are much darker than what the what we, we oh, know yeah they're shocking actually they're quite they ferocious yeah, yeah. and de, de, so that was the Presbyterian correction where all the demons and gargoyles of catholicism were suddenly brought into that world now if you look at if you look at hollywood and you look at the whole thing of a horror film is it in, yeah what's that we, we live in a modern age we have these miracles of science and engineering and stuff like that i can sit in a cinema i can eat a barred chocolate and watch a projector for a thing there but uh, we it's we're, we're also there's also a vulnerability to it as well you're a fixed you're held, you're looking at that screen like it's a mass. You're, right, it's, an, it's an, a an alter. submission. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, and the horror tropes are the, the acknowledgement of the, the darker manifestations of the psyche that you would, you know, that you wouldn't have in modern life. Oh, we don't have demons, we don't have, we don't have, we don't believe in demons in the modern world, we don't believe in devils, we don't believe in entities, but the 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 archetypes that they represent within the material world are still present so we so we we moved them from grimoires and from the lesser key of solomons and from the gargoyles surrounding our churches and made them into freddy Krueger, made them into jason from Variety the 13 made them into the blair witch and uh, have you noticed that the, the, have you noticed that the more power, the more the more the less ethereal the less are material and the more uh the more miasmic the horror when a movie is the more powerful it is oh of course yeah
0: like the banal kind of yeah. human yeah yeah, yeah like the, the, that there's, that's no, there's, there's,
1: the worst. there's yeah. nothing in the there's nothing in the Blair witch project there's nothing it's a right. film about it's a film about nothing right and but you know and, but look at it, you know and uh, the, the power of the, the, the endurance of that uh the psychic endurance of that film is incredible and it's a film about nothing
0: it really is, yeah. It's it's almost like all build-up, no climax. I mean, there is a there is a slight climax. The entire film, though, is just is just them strengthening, you know, the folklore of it. Yeah. To have, yeah, very kind of menial, but that's that's what I was saying. The best, you know, the greatest things are the ones the 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 fears that are off
1: screen. You know, it's yeah, like I, I said, that Hitchcockian thing. Jaws I put that character category yeah. as well you know the jaws the, 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 the you know there's actually the more i look at jaws now the more i see a very lovecraftian kind of message that shark is really a, you know a monster swimming from the subconscious into the into the world of this island you know and it's 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 very lovecraftian the more it's less of a shark now and more of a demon to me at at this point but that was another film as well it was like you know the terrors of the water what we can't see well you could even
0: look at jaws in the same scope as say michael myers in the original halloween right this kind yes. of blank eyed killing machine no rhyme or reason they give a little backstory you know there's that famous tv edit where they make him you know the sister or i'm sorry the brother of laurie strode but that's never truly like canon until the second movie but and it's this it. senseless, yeah, senseless boogeyman. Like he's yeah. a shark. He's a literal shark. And that's yeah. the scariest, that's the scariest part. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And again, the use of the mute, this, and again, it's another thing too soundtracks, the use of oh, music. I mean, yeah. John Carpenter using the analog synthesizers in all his films, in a lot of his films. And then you have Dario Argento, the, who was a camel did The music for that, There's like really frenetic uh, Suspiria as this really frenetic uh, kind of like jazz rock soundtrack, uh, yeah. Very, uh,
0: like they would call it fusion back then, but yeah, yeah it's very,
1: yeah. very frenetic. And yeah.
0: yeah, that was the beauty of it too, especially with a movie like Suspiria, which it's it's pretty dance based. Like to me, in Suspiria, the, the ritual you're watching is the human body. And like what it can do and move and you know sequence with other things and then you have music on top of it. I mean to me a lot of audiomancy really lies in film scores. Oh, the fact one, yeah. the fact that it's created for a visual purpose but you can hijack it and use it to literally I I listen to you know Ennio Morricone or You know, even, like, the Dust Brothers score for Fight Club or something. Like, to write. Or, you know what I mean? Like, there's these scores that transcend. Angelo Badalamenti with all of his David Lynch stuff. Like, it doesn't need the visual or, like, the the narrative of what it was born. But it can live outside of it and have a new life with you personally. You know? Yeah. I'm glad you brought up film scores. I wanted to go into that. Because, to me... That's some of the most like transcendental parts of, of these films that we talk about. Suspiria is a good one. I mean, Halloween, John Carpenter score, it still haunts me to this day. And it's not that it conjures images of Michael Myers or this, you know, Jaws like human figure. It's alive its by itself. That
1: yes. A, that, exactly. that, that arpeggio with that the repetitive uh the, the it's like I don't know it's a bass guitar or a bass keyboard <laughs> and then yeah, boom. yeah it's fantastic yeah. And it's, so simple, it's so simple but it's primal because it's a kind of a that would have been very similar to the, the drumming that our pagan ancestors would have you know you know played around the, the stone circle so he reached into a deep well of of uh, spiritual archaeology with that you piece of music
0: Absolutely. You know, it's funny, too, uh, in the future, when they brought Michael Myers back after the failed uh, want of an anthology with uh, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which had no Michael Myers, uh, they brought him back and eventually they described his background, you know, as this uh, this ritual, this Celtic ritual of thorn. And it was Samhain-based,
1: and
0: it always came back down to this Celtic kind of tribalistic cultism.
1: Yeah, well, the thing was, it's Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which I reviewed as well. It's nothing like the other two films. Oh,
0: nothing, yeah. But it's still it's, I think it's great, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's still, it's, it's a great, and it's got great, I, I love the transhumanist elements, the robots, and this this oh, crazy, yeah. t- this toy maker who moves on to robots and stuff like that. Nothing
0: haunted me more than the crickets coming out of the eyeballs of the kids when I was a kid. Watch that. Oh,
1: the snakes and the snakes. The snakes, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, and, a great and that,
0: that was a very shamrock, you know, like it was shamrock.
1: It six uh, more days to Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and and the, and the scene where it shows the kids in different American cities walking at sunset to their slaughter, and you have that. Then the the, 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 the Halloween theme comes in again. That ding ding, oh, it's fantastic. And you just see the yeah. silhouettes of the, the silhouettes of the kids against American cities dressed in different. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> And like two like the
0: archetypes of you know the sudden so idea like you have the witch the skeleton the pumpkin those yeah. are the masks they used yeah season the witch isn't talked enough I think it's getting a little bit of a resurgence of like you know the scar of it not being a Michael Myers movie it's like is non-existent now it's you know it's better than the Michael Myers movies that came after it yeah <laughs> you know? so. Yeah, but there's a lot of occultic stuff in there, especially, uh, you know, like I said, with the Celtic stuff. I think it started, oh, obviously, at Halloween and selling, you know, but Shamrock, Company.
1: Well, and- it was written It was written by Nigel Keneal or Neil, whoever his name is, the screenplay. Right. And he did a lot of that kind of folk horror stuff for British TV, uh, Quatermass movies which are often rooted in those the mass 3 which is a fantastic uh tv it was a it was a it was on channel 4 i think in england in the late 70s or or itv and it was a, a tv mini-series fantastic and that is all about uh an alien force from outer space was harvesting the youth of of the world uh, uh through this uh repetitive these rituals of bringing them to certain sites and harvesting them and that was definitely brought into, into Season of the Witch.
0: <clears throat> right. God, I got to look that up. You got to send me a link to that. I'll put it in,
1: yeah. the, uh, it, in the show notes. Yeah. It's on YouTube it's, as well.
0: Oh, even better. Yeah, there's there's something enduring about Celtic occultism within horror movies, you know, especially since, like, The Wicker Man. But even that, that could be argued that's more of just, like, a blanket
1: I think because it still, you
0: know?
1: it still exists. Pseudo-paganism. It still exists, kind of, you know, like it became folklore. You know, like in in Ireland, it, it paganism never really went away. It became folk tradition. But you still have reverence of sacred wells and stuff like that. So I think the fact that it survived, it kind of survived. It's like a Santa Muerte thing as well. I think right. that's that's something that it should be really tapped into by filmmakers. Uh, in, in this in this occultic field, I was going to
0: bring it up. Unfortunately, it was used, uh, you know, in the damning way that tax collector movie from David Ayer, I haven't uh, with Shia LaBeouf, and it's Shia LaBeouf. The big joke is that he's wearing brown face, But you know, I grew up in the barrio. Like I know white kids that talk like that. You yeah. know, <laughs> like it's not, it's not. It's more of like a just a cultural thing. But they use Santa Muerte in. The way that the rival gang was—you know, this this dark occult worshipper that did these dastardly rituals to, you know, gain power and stuff—and that's, well, that's that's not that's, at all what Santa did. That,
1: that sounded promising, though. Too, it, the the film wasn't any good, though. Oh no, the film. The film was fine. I, I didn't mind it, it, but I'm just talking about how they use Santa
0: Muerte now in the same way
1: Ariaster used Midsummer. In, exactly. Enormous, yeah. 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 I, but I, I'm fascinated by that stuff, and uh, you know, there's again back to Hollywood. You know, this whole like Lat, Latino, Latin American, Hispanic stuff. It has not been. It's another enormous uh, well that hasn't been tapped into. Yeah. No, you absolutely. You're absolutely right. I mean, there's,
0: you know, uh there's a Spanish kind of uh import with, you know, uh, you know, Guillermo del Toro and Devil's Backbone and yeah. all of those. Uh, you know, obviously his uh adaptation of Mike Manola's Hellboy, which you know, the BPRD, the Bureau of You know, uh paranormal research and defense you know there's there's a lot of like undertone using as uh and yeah as tropes i hate to hark on that word but devil's back which is basically a ghost story it's a brilliant film
1: yeah it's um, fantastic
0: but there's but, yeah there's there's that there's there are hispanic elements you know unfortunately we don't get a lot of a good one you know because la llorona came out and La Llorona was a folk tale that I grew up with. And I have a strong affinity for it was right. a cautionary tale told to us kids to not play in the Arroyos, you know, cause we'd get washed up uh, because they would flood them routinely. So and it's this long history in Mexico and the story. And then of course this horror movie comes out called La Llorona and it's like just trash. It's like it's the worst. Uh, yeah, uh, but, uh, but there was a potential. There was yeah. a potential. It's a beautiful story uh too, and I wouldn't even say you'd have to create it, you know, as a kind of bi- biographical, you know, La Llorona thing. But it it haunts so many cultures here in the American Southwest for different reasons. There's so many re- ways you can go aside from just making it another jump scare, spooky movie.
1: The Devil's Backbone, I think, worked because it was dealing with the kind of Spanish psyche in the wake of the Spanish Civil War, which was a, a vicious and a brutal civil war that you know let, let was an, a, a horror, a catastrophe that about that nation that they still haven't fully healed from. And I right. think that 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 was that was very much apparent. I think you even hear the guns encroaching in the distance. You can hear the artillery going off and things like that in some scenes. And that was, I mean, I can imagine a Spanish person, a person in Spain, watching that, being, you know, being quite disturbed by it.
0: Yeah, in the beginning of Pan's Labyrinth* too. I mean, just just Guillermo del Toro's depictions of, you know, that time and that that war is harrowing, and you know, on top of it, that's really just the bone to, full pun intended, of like a lot of what. You know his personal work was where it it was always uh it then it, you know it trailed into a very paranormal or kind of mystical mystery
1: yeah
0: um which I love it's almost it's it's a lot of the you know pushing against uh, the times and you know this this weird meandering into another world or an ethereal world whilst Crazy shit is happening around yes. you. You know, it's a lot of 2020. I imagine there's gonna be good uh films about this. Um fortunately, I hope we can get through like the coronavirus films that are absolutely gonna come out, you know. Like
1: <laughs> the uh, uh I, would like to, I would like to see it resurrected in the vampires genre. honor. I think something like that. I'd like to see a, a new take on that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because that would be... that. Would, I mean, they, I feel like, and speaking of Guillermo del Toro, like he, do, he did a show of vampires. I forget what it's called. It's like the plague, not the plague. That's uh, that's Camus, I think. But, you know, he did some sort of vampire show that was very much about the disease or the spreading of sickness that, you know, it's yeah. like 28 days later, but it's vampires.
1: Yeah, I, I reckon this, st- uh, hopefully... That you know, when we look back in twenty twenty, you know, I was, I was, a i was reading about, and my grandmother, she's long dead now, told me about the War of Independence in Ireland, and how, it, it, during the fighting in Dublin, that the lights would be switched off at night, and all you would hear would be gunshots in the distance, like a rifle going off or a machine gun, and. It was spooky, and he said there will be no street lights, they'd be all knocked out, the power will be knocked out, and occasionally you'd hear a burst of a gun, and this, this would be like 1916 to 1920. And she, the way she described it to me, uh, uh, was sound, and she was actually shot herself in the hand accidentally, but uh, the way she described it to me uh, was very similar to how 2020 feels. We're locked in home, we can't go out, uh, there's a darkness and a silence. There's, there's, I don't. I, I feel that right now. There's a, there's a palpable silence. It's almost crushing, at the moment. Uh, people aren't opening and communicating like we normally do. It's almost something very primal has come in, Come into us, and it, it, that's often. You know, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a good, a, a, you know, a good place for development of uh, of stories and myths and legends, but. We're seeing we're seeing a kind of a, a horror trope, use your term, in real time with the whole Corona thing. It, people have come to almost venerate, like it probably, it probably, it is like a chaos god at this point. There's all kinds of rituals, hand-baiting, washing masks, sacred vestments, all this kind of thing to go with it. And there is an opportunity, you know, we're seeing people, I mean, I saw one guy last week, I'm not kidding you, Keats. he was absolutely terrified. He was absolutely terrified, uh, like as if the coronavirus was a, a an actual predator like the shark in Jaws or Michael Myers waiting to come to get him and literally right. terrified to leave his home. I have a friend who, a, a, an English friend here who cleans windows, and he was telling me that the old people hand him the money after they paid for the, he cleaned their windows, they hand it through a letterbox in a plastic bag. Now it's made people terrified. And uh we' were, we've been reminded of how dark we are as a species.
0: You know it's funny too like in to kind of I guess to circle back and close it up with the whole adversity breed's passion thing, you know, there is flourishing I foresee and there are spurts of it happening insular, introverted, you know, kind of with whoever you know we're entombed with or working against, you know, this, this unifying bond of the outside web that kind of binds us all that is like going through turmoil and government knowing what to do about it. And, you know, uh, mainstream media of afraid of it. And, you know, what do, what do we do about it? What, what precautions do we take? And then, you know, that's that's after you leave the house, but here yeah. we are in our houses and we're reflecting back to ourselves and remembering that, you know, God slaps you in the face when you're making plans or whatever, and that everything that we thought we'd be, where we'd be, you know, who we'd be, is kind of out the window right now. We have to build up, and, yeah, and kind of re—it's that alchemy.
1: And without being um, too melodramatic, I do feel that evil is on the march. Whatever evil is, whatever whatever an evil force is, I feel it very strong at the moment. I, 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 you know, there's a, if it's, you want to reduce it down to something like just the, the darkness of the human psyche, yeah, if you want to bring it into something like an allegorical or even a literal belief in some kind of demon army in the background or something, but I, I you know, I feel, I feel like that there's something, there's, some, there's, there's something simmering in the background, I can't explain what it is, and uh, oh, I'm not trying to be negative or anything like that. But it is, it, it doesn't have humanity's best interest at heart. That's how I feel.
0: Yeah, I think everyone's uh, take, I mean, you know, the, the leaders we have, the, the people that we listen to, the people that guide us and run things and, you know, um, create avenues for us you know, that are before us or gatekeepers, like they're yeah. all humans too. And everyone is just floundering. You know, under what this is, so it's it's a constant mirror back and forth of an unknown or the other.
1: You know? Well, to bring the movie back into it, the color out of space. I mean, right. that's what the coronavirus is: the color out of space. The corona is the <laughs> great light. movie, and that movie with Nicolas Cage, uh, uh, that that kind of foreshadowed what we're going through now: the destruction of the family, the destruction of the. This, this, you know and once again you know prove again i I know i've been saying this till blue in the face that lovecraft was a real occultist whether he wanted to admit it or not he was and he was a chaos magician absolutely he was but he, he in in the color out of space what we're seeing in that movie and that's our story is what we're going through right now you know we're all living in the woods outside arkham at this point the the you know the everything the the natural order of things is completely broken down and um that film i would say if people want to see a film they haven't seen that film go watch that tonight or tomorrow and uh and then think about in terms of where we are in the world right now and you will see that it definitely it definitely it brushed on the side of prophecy
0: and it was great too to see Richard Stanley's big comeback since being yeah. ousted out of the island of Doctor Moreau way back yep. in the day. And you know, guy did Hardware and Dust Devil, like beautiful uh, filmmaker. And this was his, you know, he came like a crusader almost <laughs> to document was, his, own,
1: his own and... his own redemption. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and that film, uh, that that, that, was, that was a challenging film to make. You know, oh, it, yeah. you, know, you know, I can't even imagine, you know, you know, I know, you know, CGI makes things easier, but it's still it's still difficult. It's still difficult. I spoke to the woman who was the occult advisor on that. Uh another amazing synchronicity. A friend of mine, her best friend was the occult advisor on that film. And she deliberately made the girl read Simon's Necronomicon rather than uh, an occult and, uh, you know, a regular occult book uh, for that reason. And uh, I had a very interesting discussion with her. And uh, so th- that film was well researched from your occult point of view. I love it.
0: That's interesting. I was just thinking about today uh, when I was thinking about Dark Song, because I got contacted a year or two ago by a Portland filmmaker to be kind of an occult supervisor. And it was almost, I was like, holy shit, was that a dark song? Because <laughs> the way he mentioned the story was very similar to, to it. And you know, I, I I did the same thing where, you know, I gave him, it, it, these people don't know what they're toying with, but they want to toy with it. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, I understand like covering the basis of being like, you know, t- minus this or add yeah. this or, you know, as kind of a, a wink, a referential wink to other folks to know that, like Ari Aster did with, you know, the Paimon sigil, like take some stuff out, you know, yeah.
1: uh, just in case. Just in case. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, Thomas, it has been an absolute, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for talking with me.
1: Yeah, thank you. I always enjoy these talks. It was something different to talk about than the usual crap going on in the world.
0: I mean, I hope that, if anything, the advent of whatever's happening outside at least continues this cross. Cultural, you know, transdimensional wayfaring that is talking with somebody in Ireland while being in Colorado, yeah. or you know, I love that. I love that. You know, say what you will about what happened to us in 2020, but I became a lot closer to people that are nowhere near me.
1: And I also it became a great education about yourself and others, right? Uh, you, yeah. uh, you, learn, you learn your limitations and your possibilities, and also it the same with other people around you. So I found that, I mean, I've met a, very, a lot of very nice new people as well that, uh, through this also, but I've also had people that disappointed me uh, because they became hysterical and they didn't, there was no need for it, you know? So it was little things like that.
0: Yeah. I'm sure, you know, too, just with the hysterics of going through this, I'm sure I've disappointed a couple of people you know, during this time with my own bouts of, you know, mental health or just it's surviving. I think it's it's kind of part and parcel to whatever's happening. I think after this, I hope people look at, there's a lot less deification, there's a, there's a lot less pedestal, and there's more, you yeah. know, just kind of unity and just a fractured relationship we have with humanity.
1: Yeah, yeah. and this would be a good time. People also, if they haven't seen the films that we talk about, well, you got you're getting a great opportunity to sit down, and actually sit them, and I, and I, I, you know, bring a, have a notebook with you, engage with the film with a notebook. Yes, because uh, you will even if you're not even you've no plans to do anything with it, you find that you can enjoy the film on a different level, just by taking notes down and then looking at them later and thinking on. And I thought this is a good time for you. Uh, you know, when this is over, go out there and st- these films we've spoken about tonight. Go and, go, go and watch them and then formulate your own. How do they sit in your consciousness? How do they make you feel?
0: I hope that I get a good rendering of all of the stuff we mentioned in the show notes in the next couple of days. Uh, we, we went over so much and there's so much brilliant stuff in there. Uh, I want to thank everyone in the chat. Michelle Embry, Amanda Pomander, Navier, uh, you know uh, the Robin Eagle song. Who you know? I, I know we're both big fans of the Grannies. Yeah, uh, Thomas. Uh, she was in here, John aside. Uh, thank you guys all so much for popping in, saying hi, Anish, uh, and you know to close it out. Thomas, is there anything that you want to guide people to coming up in the future?
1: I'm I'm going to well I've got a I've got a film I'm working on at the moment about the odin and uh the relationships with the christian archetype of jesus christ which i'm putting a has become a kind of revolution a revelation to me quote unquote uh looking i stood i went around to england before the rona thing locked us down looking at old anglo-saxon crosses and discovered hold on a second why they covered in pagan symbolism so that'll be a new thing that'll be coming out you know and i'm it'll betr- uh, it'll be a, a bit of a new theory not a brand new theory but my own take on it and uh, also, I'm in the process of writing a, a documentary on Jack Parsons.
0: Oh, I love be, it!
1: Will be coming out next year, and hopefully, when all this nonsense is down, I'm gonna get out to L.A. and do some filming there and stuff like that. So uh, it, that's that's I'm currently writing both of them. the The Odin one, the Odin Jesus one, should be out next few weeks. I keep saying it'll be out next week, but then I find new things to add to it. So I'm not. I want to just beef it up. It'll be similar to of Lever, Lever Providence*, my documentary about uh, right. *Lovecraft's Occultism*, and then the Jack Parsons one uh, in the New Year. And uh, yeah, so that's basically. Which it. Uh, YouTube channel would those be, premiere? These, these would be all on Beyond Three One Three. It's a great because, channel. Yeah. yeah, that's that's my kind of like produced my posh right. channel you know where it's just there's not vlogs it's probably the actual the product is is in there the Well, it's,
0: abso- it's absolutely apropos that you're working on jack Parsons that we just you know talked about our love for the occult you know yeah, and in i, I california. want california
1: <laughs> yeah and also space travel there's not enough stuff about that we've the, the cosmic the 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 mysticism of space travel has not been properly done justice to i don't think and uh I, You know, I, you, you look at the Russians and the Soviets and the Americans had basically the same technology at the time. I believe that the Americans got to the moon because they actually had an occultic foundation through the Freemasons, both by Parsons initially, but also he set that charge in motion that meant they got to the moon first. They got yeah. to the moon, but the Russians didn't.
0: I can't wait to yeah hear more about that. You're always very revealing about different avenues with this stuff. That's why I had to have you on talking, you know, oh, everything under the sun. You know, we said uh, Cinema and Occult, we went back to it, but I'm always gonna really appreciate the meanderings that me and you both walked down. So thank you so much.
1: Okay, thank you very much, Keats, and uh, best of luck with this new uh, series. It's, yeah, thank it's you. A great, it's a great idea. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it keeps me constant, you know, yeah.
0: and consistent. But yeah. uh, I'm going to uh, I'll, I'm gonna premiere a song, those of you still watching. Uh, at the end, I've made it kind of a routine thing, every liminal stream, to premiere a new demo or snippet of audio mans that I'm working on and sequence it with something fun. Uh, tonight, I'm going to be premiering another track that I have created uh, to help tether the audio sigil that is going coming out. If anything, this is a testament to show you that I have been working on it. I'm talking about this forever. It's coming, I promise. And with that, we'll end the show. So I want to thank everyone in chat. Thank you to all the patrons. Especially thank you to you, Thomas. And, uh, you know, haunt on.